Ada? I don't know what happened. Me neither. I'm going to stop talking with my hands. Maybe my headphones are messy. You were there, then you weren't. Welcome to Pursuing Call, a place where we explore what God is up to in our lives so that we can participate in God's mission for the world. Find out more at pursuingcall.com. Let's get started. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready too. You're in charge okay. of this interview. So fantastic. Tamara. Hi, Makita. It's the Makita takeover. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And I get a chance to interview you. Thank you very so much. exciting. It's yes, very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so you call your podcast. Well, before we dive, um, tell mm-hmm. me a little bit or tell the listeners a little bit about what made you decide to do this. Allow me to take over your podcast and interview you. Um, so I realized that I tell my story a lot when I'm interviewing people, but I'd never actually told my actual story in mm-hmm. completion. And so I thought mm-hmm. this would be a great opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, so that's why, 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 why Makita? Because also you are the most listened to interview in my entire podcast. Of oh, the wow. 13 interviews I've done. <laughs> I feel very blessed by that. Yeah. Great. Um, we have very different life stories and yet have similar ideas about the world. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tamara. So before we dive into, I do want to hear about your journey towards pursuing God's call. But I think what I'd really like to start with is when you hear the term calling, what does that mean for you? Hmm. This is this is literally why I started the podcast. Um because I've been learning lots of Spanish, so I'm thinking a lot about language. When in Spanish, it's called llamado, the call, but llamada is also to name or how you're called or mm. um, what other people want, like what other people should say about you, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. because it's your name, right? Like your name is like what people, how how people recognize, how you recognize that other people require your attention okay is why we name people so that we can simply say why somebody requires your attention and so Mm. i think calling is a a god's request or the divine's request for our attention to do Mm. something Mm. i like that i like that that's beautiful so tell us about your journey your story towards so, pursuing God's call to do something. To do something. Yeah, I don't, I still don't know what that story is, but I will start it at 2008 or nine. I can't ever remember the year, but I was, had worked at in student affairs for at least two and a half to three years. I was 28 years old, 29. I was probably 29 because that was a really rough year. <laughs> At 28 to 30 was real rough. Um, I lived in Vermont. I had been going to church, doing a lot of stuff in church, had done this book group. I had done a lot of stuff in like student affairs land. So a lot of diversity education, a lot of leadership development, a lot of facilitation and training and all that stuff. Worked in student activities. So put on events for students, all that. 
And then at church, uh, this priest wanted to start a 20s, 30s group. And so and so she just made me and this other woman be in a book group about uh, radical welcome. Okay. So that we could discern what the church needed to do radical welcome. But it wasn't a discernment process. It was a way to get us involved in church work. And so <laughs> it, was a, it was a trick. Um, so I read Steph Speller's radical welcome book as a part of that book club experience. And what was fascinating to me was the intersection between some of the theories she was listing about how churches transform over time and student development theories around how we grow and, and particularly around diversity issues, how you help students or just adult humans learn and progress through their different stages of growth. And I was like, oh, my church world and my work world don't have to be separate things. And for a long time, because I don't want to be that kind of Christian, that yeah. because I grew up Episcopalian, and mm-hmm. so we were really concerned about being those kinds of Christians mm-hmm. um, who who are just over. And I had just come from the Midwest during the 2004 election was when I moved to Ohio. So that was Bush Gore. No, yeah, Bush, no, it wasn't Bush Gore. It was Bush Kerry. So the second, it was for the second term of Bush. Okay. And a lot of very Christian, Christian, I love Jesus. And therefore, I don't think that diversity in human existence. And like, I love diversity in concepts alone is what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. As long as you think like me, act like me, pray like me, then you're welcomed. Um, Right. And I was, like, not down for that. At the same time, my internship was at a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. So I would go to church every week, even though I wasn't Catholic, because it was at mm-hmm. 5 o'clock. And who's waking up at 9 o'clock in the morning when you're in grad school? <laughs> and so I, w- and I would take communion. And I remember saying to this one Catholic lady, like, is it okay that I take communion? She's like, do you believe it's the body and blood of Christ? I said, yeah. She said, I don't care. Oh. <laughs> okay she was she was training she was training to be a nun she was not quite a nun yet so she popped my head feelings these days but it was like it was a way in which I was even though those nuns were like super catholic it was where the gay kids would show up and they were clearly flamboyantly gay and the nuns loved on them radically the like it was like all the like little outcast students who just loved the lord would show up to services and fully participate and fully be welcomed by these Adrian Dominican sisters in a way that was so lovely and so affirming to my faith. And yet nobody in my grad program knew that I basically went to church almost every Sunday. They all thought I was like down. Like, I don't think they thought I was an atheist, but they like definitely not as uber Christian. Um, And then so then when I went to UVM and started working in student affairs, my student affairs life was like one of radical welcome in terms of I would make everybody celebrate Easter with me because I was I'd be stuck on campus because it's like spring breakish times and ev- events happen. And so I would never be able to come home for like Easter. So I'd be like, guys, I need family dinner or, you know, throw birthday parties that were really epic and awesome. But like, they didn't understand that for me, that was an expression of my faith. Like how, mm-hmm. how we gather people in community was not just like, I think it's fun to gather people in community, but that mm-hmm. it was an expression of my faith practice. And mm-hmm. I didn't know it was an expression of my faith practice. 
And then when I read Radical Welcome, it was like all of these things about how how I have been raised, but also like how God has been moving in my life was about creating mm-hmm. spaces of welcome mm-hmm. where people could show up as their full authentic selves and be loved on in a, in a divine love way and not because they did anything or were anything or like they just were loved. Um, and I didn't understand that until then. So that was a long, mm-hmm. that's a long way of getting to, I then go, what the fuck am I supposed to do with my life now? that I know this connection between my faith and my work, how do I make them one thing? So then I was like, when in doubt, go to school. That's my solution. (laughs) So I was like, let me look at seminary. What would that look like? But all the seminary things were about ordination. Right. And I was like, well, maybe I want to be a priest. And I remember sitting, I went to music camp. It's summertime. I think I had been there. Yeah, I was a counselor or something. I don't even remember, but I was there and I had a lot of free time. So I probably wasn't working that summer. And I went, but I had my car and I'm 29. So I just go and, go and come as I please, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. To my favorite Nelson Pond, which is the picture of Pursuing Call on the Pursuing Call, is the mm. rock in Nelson Pond that I sit on when I need to make big decisions. Mm. And I remember it was like blue sky little sheep across the way eating grass like I don't even know if that's true but that's how it felt and like like just the the perfect summer New England day on a fresh lake with nobody there and I was like yeah fuck it I'll try to be a priest we'll see where this goes God and I jumped in the I like baptized myself jumped in the water and (laughs) and then I was like what do I came back home and I was like, what what do I what do I need to do about this priesthood thing? And in Vermont, the process was you you went to you spoke to your rector for like a year or somebody in your congregation for a year. And then after a year of discernment, then you would do a project and then you would do you would go through the official, then the 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 church would say, the vestry would say yes or no for the next process and then you go to the bishop basically and then but usually by the time you get to the bishop it was like a you probably are are going to be in the process yeah um and so i spent a year in in discernment like weekly meetings with my priest just like talking about what god was calling me to and how i felt called oh the other big thing was um i had gotten on the because i'm an event planner so they finally did ask me to plan an event at a church, which is not often what I get asked to do, but it was mm-hmm. the, um, it was the, they did a big dinner usually for general, for their, con- their diocesan convention. Mm-hmm. And it was um, Emily Scott. Is that her last name? St. Lydia's. She had started St. Lydia's. And, okay. and I was like, it's a, it's a house church. So they basically do the service very much like a Jewish Seder, but it's a Christian service. So, and so it was just, as I was working with her to figure out logistics for the event and we actually had the event, I was like, oh, this, this, this is what I want. <laughs> this, this is how church is supposed to be. Um, this is what I've been planning, except without the Jesus part, like all the events I put on and my friends' houses and the birthday parties I've thrown, like this. But with Jesus, it was exciting. This at the convention event, 
this priest fell over in the middle of the the service the of uh, middle of actually emily's preaching okay. and um all of a sudden so the room is tense right we're calling 911 we're taking a pause um and people in the room are like emily we got to sing because you know like we needed to do something <laughs> as a room mm-hmm. instead of just like watching this man wait his family wait um and the singing was so intense that like people were like weeping i was weeping people are like in their feelings and it wasn't about this man it was just the mm-hmm. force of the spirit just taking over the room and just inviting us all into like a lovely present divine presence that i don't even know how to explain it was the first time i felt evangelical in my life yeah Afterward, I called my mom and I was like, I know why people go to evangelical churches. This shit is amazing. I feel like mm. I'm on drugs. I've never mm. been so high in my life. <laughs> like, I just didn't. I'd never felt that way before. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is exactly the spirit that I've been looking for in all these events that I have planned in my life. Like, being an event planner in that way, like, this is what I'm trying to invite. This is what I'm trying to create. That's so that must be what priesthood is, right? Like priesthood is creating these spaces for ritualistic bathing in the spirit. Like, yeah, I'm down for that. Um also discerning when you live around a lot of like agnostic types mm-hmm. is really hard. Mm. Uh, <laughs> my friends love me, but they don't understand church politics versus an institutional drama versus like yeah and the spirit still and so like anytime I would hit a bump in the road one of the moments it was like you're supposed to take diversity training for and and or anti-racism training and I was like at the time I was really radical on the black people can't be racist lens Mm -hmm. like if you want me to learn about how to be a black person in a white community, white space and survive that totally down to take that training, but I'm not taking any racism training as a black person in a white ass state. And it was like, well, are you hesitant to comply with the processes of the church? Like it wasn't quite that, but it was, they were definitely going to work with me, but it was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like compliance was starting to come up as a problem. Mm. And I realized that I am not a compliant person. Like I am, <laughs> I am the opposite of compliant. It doesn't mean that I don't like rules. I love a rule. I love following rules, but I really want you to tell me why. I need you to justify why your rule exists or why you're making a decision that you're making. And so that, that discernment process, I was like, maybe I need to be home. Maybe I need to be around my family. So I moved to New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that. So I want to pause. Yeah, I want to pause you before mm-hmm. you get to New York, because um, yeah. there are a couple of things that you said that I think are important. Um, first, I love this concept of this idea that gathering of people is an expression of your faith. That mm-hmm. is a, not heard, and I've been a Christian for a really long time. That is a concept of expressing faith that I have not heard. And mm. I could, the reason why that's sticking out to me and I want you to unpack just a little bit is because, correct me if I'm wrong, Tamara, but you are not by nature 
an extroverted, bring all the people around me. Let me just hang out with all the people 100% of the time. Oh, God, no, I don't like. Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh. So that's why I'm so intrigued by this idea that this this gathering and creating these sacred spaces felt so much an expression of your faith when it is on the surface anti how you might actually be wired. I think there's something there. I think if I have to attend an event, like I am Mm -hmm. showing up to an event and Mm -hmm. I am not in charge of it, Mm -hmm. that is really hard for me. Okay. Like, I don't care about actually interacting with people. Yeah. I create, I care a lot about the space that's created for people. Mm. So it's a way for me to show up at like the reason why I would plan these elaborate birthday parties they don't have a lot of decorations or anything they just are like I think about the guest list and I think about the interactions of people and I come up with like icebreakers and (laughs) I basically make it a facilitation workshop where we all get drunk but like (laughs) you know I think about the menu blah 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 is because I want people to come and just feel ease I enjoy the process of creating this space and the experience I don't necessarily want to go to those experiences yeah so the other reason why this strikes me is even as you talk I think about Jesus and how Jesus was constantly gathering people Mm -hmm. whether he was gathering the 12 or he's just minding his own business and a whole bunch of people decide they want to just come listen to what he has to say Mm -hmm. um and how vital community is inside Jewish faith, which is what Jesus um, lived his life out of, right? The Jewish faith. Um, but what strikes me about what you have said and the kind of spaces that you like to gather and that I feel like Jesus gathers, which sometimes can be missing from church formal gathering, mm-hmm. um, is the realness and the honesty and the authenticity. I don't love the word authentic because it got overplayed in an environment I was in for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I think it applies here is that, because you just said you want to create spaces where people can just come and just be. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in religious gatherings, that ability to just be is not always present. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to call that out because that feels important as we think about this this journey that you're taking towards pursuing God's call, gathering and creating spaces, even as you create this space with this podcast. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to call that out. Yeah, Anything else you, you want to say there before you move us to New York? Yeah, no, but I just don't. Yeah, I still don't like people, but I do like. Well, no, <laughs> but it is true. That's good. I never thought about that, how much I'm like happy to be in my house alone. Right. And yet mm-hmm. part of what feeds your, the spiritual side of you is having this people are able to come and be and to create those spaces, mm-hmm. even if you're not, you know, decorating and, um, you know, six different appetizers and 12 yeah. different meal choices yeah. and all of that. Um, but it really is about um, nurturing people's souls, mm-hmm. even if they don't know that that's what's happening. Yeah. Especially that's when they don't know that. Like, that's the right. best part. It's when they don't right. realize that we're having it. Exactly. We're all having church and you don't know it. You're, you don't fun. know it. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to stick a pin in that because that felt significant yeah, um, in terms of, you know, we're going to get to hear more of your journey um, and the story, but I just feel like that's an important 
Oh, that was helpful out. for me. Thank you for yeah. doing this. Is this is great? I don't even need my ther- therapy session. We're gonna <laughs> work it out today. All right, <laughs> all right. Um, so you're moving us to New York. We're coming to New so York. So we'll get to New York, and then I will just caveat because I would still live in this diocese that I've I've learned a lot of things. But thirty year old me really thought she knew a lot of things, um, mm. and so I didn't understand. So in Vermont, Vermont very much like many New England states is like live free or die kind of thing, like mm-hmm. more individualistic, more not individualistic, but more um, less caring about authority and polity. And it doesn't it wasn't without the drama, mm-hmm. but it was just because it's such a small place, far less levels to get through mm-hmm. than other places is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like I'm pretty sure if I had stayed in Vermont, I would right now be a priest mm-hmm. um, without trying very hard. And so I mean I would have tried hard. It was clearly it was a hard enough process that I felt like I had to move. But <laughs> um but still probably would have been a priest today. Um but when I came to Diocese of Long Island, um, I was during a year of transition, I think, because they had just started a new process. And I, the spirit told me to wait a year and I didn't listen to her. Mm. And I was, I had gotten the advice that if I felt called, I should just pursue it. And I said, okay. So I had, i kind of went through the process it was it felt very rushed to me in comparison to being in a year-long process Mm -hmm. with uh with my priest every week discerning blah 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 talking about it what I a couple things that I missed one I was in a new location Mm -hmm. and I missed the idea that location and call are related particularly Mm. for the Episcopal church or I think particularly for mainline traditions that that location and call are very intimately related, particularly for ordained ministry. And I, having lived in many states and having close friends across the country, especially in student affairs land, like you just get to know people who live everywhere. My congregation or what I have come to understand people call community of accountability is across the country. It's really my my friends who have been harmed by churches or want to be invited into some kind of spiritual space where they can show up as their full selves and just hadn't found it yet. Mm-hmm. Like I had realized that that was the mm-hmm. people I was speaking to, the people I wanted to build relationship with, the people I wanted to build a congregation for. In mm-hmm. this place, they were trying to prepare priests to lead congregations in particular communities who 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 stand in front of a a group of people on Sunday morning and do rituals in that way. Mm -hmm. And that was not what I was feeling called to at all in any way, shape or form. And I did not have the mentorship to know that that's what I was supposed to say, even if I didn't feel called to do Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. This is my very cynical way of reflecting. So anyone in the diocese of Long Island who's listening, it's not against any particular people. I just didn't understand mm-hmm. the game. And mm-hmm. so uh, 
you're there are certain things that get you through the process that you say and there's certain things that don't and mm-hmm. I have come to learn that every priest who's been through the process has said the same thing Tamara mm-hmm. you just didn't know how to play the game mm-hmm. like the name of the game is get ordained and I didn't one I didn't know how to play the game but two I didn't want to right again I don't I love rules and I don't want to follow them right <laughs> like I knew what I, I probably, I later understood what I should have said or could have said or could have gone to a different diocese to say, but needless to say, after writing my spiritual biography and reflecting and all that stuff and submitted all my paperwork or whatever, the, the, the line that sticks out from my rejection letter was, um, the ministry to which you feel called is not one priesthood would prepare you for and and then they suggested that I go hang out with a a dinner church type activity in Queens and see if that sparks something for me and I was like this whatever it was also the same year as Hurricane Sandy so there was a lot of shit going on that year um interesting right so that word priesthood mm -hmm. I find that very interesting phrasing right Mm -hmm. the kind of community that you is one that the priesthood cannot prepare you for the ministry to which you feel called yeah the ministry to which you feel called is one that the priesthood is not one the priesthood prepare you for so that's interesting right so Mm -hmm. the word priesthood and who gets to define what that means and who gets to give that context Mm -hmm. inside of the expression of your faith as an episcopalian when we are called to the priesthood of the saints, priesthood of the birth. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. All right, yeah. let's keep going. So okay. then, so you've, yeah. when I get rejected, I had I had taken a job. Again, wasn't the worst job in the world, but it paid well. And it uh, allowed me to keep, I did event planning at the Earth Institute was not what I was passionate about doing. Like event planning is not actually the actual event planning, like formal event planning where you care about the colors of the linens Mm -hmm. and stuff. Don't care. Cause again, I care about the content and the experiences and I wasn't allowed to do that part. I was just the event planner. I just did the logistics. So like, it was great. I had great colleagues. I learned a lot about the earth and the environment, something I care about and am passionate about all of that was great and when I had my supervisor was really good at like giving me leeway when it was possible to think Mm -hmm. about content and stuff Mm -hmm. so like great job for me was not what I was feeling called to do at all Mm -hmm. (laughs) so uh work just got real hard to go to I Mm -hmm. I was like I'm only gonna be here for two years and then I'm gonna go to seminary it's gonna be great now that's not what happened. So right. I just cried for a year. Like I would literally just be standing waiting for the coffee at the coffee cart and just start crying. And people mm-hmm. would be like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life, but sure. Yeah, everything is great. Um, and so after a year of crying, two people showed up. Stephanie Spellers, Radical Welcome mm-hmm. writer mm-hmm. who ruined my life or, you know, started on a trajectory of like, reconciliation and then Myra Garns she, Myra Garns who was the direct she took over this job of a uh, director of youth ministry for the diocese of Long Island and she is a farm a former uh student affairs person 
And so we, I was like, hey, former student affairs person, let's be friends. Be my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she would get me to do like youth event stuff. And while I definitely don't like the children, I mm. learned uh, that if I had very little sleep the night before, I was a much better person. Youth were not my thing. That was not my calling. But it did allow me to talk about faith with young people and do all that. Um, And then Stephanie was doing congregational development type ministry development work in Long Island and had like recruited some lay folks to be on the team of uh, land ordained people to be on the team to help with some of the like nurturing of congregational development conversations with folks. And when we were building that curriculum, I was like, this is like, this is my jam. Like building Mm -hmm. curriculums, doing workshops, ministry development. Let's talk about how God is present in your community, all that stuff. That stuff was awesome. But then I would go to work and I basically would spend my time at work doing this stuff. church work. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I need to be getting paid to do church work and not using work resources to do church work. Like I need, this is not feel good. And then Stephanie was like, hey, there's a job at Episcopal Relief you might be interested in. And she forwarded my resume. And then uh, I interviewed and got the job. Mm. And uh, it is, it was working on this asset map, which I had worked on website stuff because I was also doing communications at the Earth Institute and had done website development stuff with people so I was developing this website where we were going to basically create the wiki of the Episcopal Church, a Wikipedia of the Episcopal Church, kind of. But for me, what it was, was an opportunity to really help churches talk about and think about how they were being God's presence in their community. And that part of the job really excited me. And then also mm-hmm. I do disaster response and preparedness work. And so at the end of the day, in all these conversations that we were having about asset-based community development and, you know, what are the gifts of the community that can be utilized to respond to the needs of the community and all of that stuff. I was like, yeah, like this is, this makes me joyous and happy to go to work Mm -hmm. every day. Do I actually care about disasters? Sometimes I think they're a great way to show communities what they can do and what's possible. But I Mm -hmm. really, again, back to the community, like how do you curate community of welcome? And people mm-hmm. showing up and being their fullest selves in community with each other. That was like, yes, more of this. Um, and I I don't know what's next, but I was like, I need, when in doubt, go to school. <laughs> and we had, we had gotten to the point where I, I knew my job well enough and I felt like I could go to seminary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to get an MDiv because I'm not probably going to get ordained. And so I don't need that. I just want to take some theology classes. And I got a master's. So I decided to do a master's of arts in uh, at Union Theological. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what my actual concentration is on record. Uh, something about theology and social ethics or something, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I literally don't know what I got a degree in. But what I did as I was writing my thesis about was that one line for my rejection letter, basically. I wanted to understand why priests 
frustrated me so much. Yeah. Because I work with a lot of clergy. I work with a lot of church leadership. And there is something so beautiful and amazing about this community of people I get to work with. And there is something extremely frustrating. And it comes back to that preparation piece. What the priesthood would prepare you for. And when I went to seminary, within like two weeks of being in seminary, I recognized why I am frustrated by the preparation of people for priesthood, which then creates annoying priests. And I will just jump to the end of the story. Mm. But the end of the story is they were right in that rejection letter. Because if Uh we think that priesthood is being prepared to stand in front of a particular group of people every week to do a ritual on Sunday morning, then that is not what I felt called to do at all. Right. But for me, priesthood is about creating safe space where people can show up and do ritual together in the name of the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, as a Christian priest. And that is, and so what we are preparing people to do is to stand in front of a particular group of people on a Sunday morning so that they can participate in the ancient ritual of Eucharist. And if that's what we think priesthood is, then yeah. And like baptize some babies and stand by the bedside of a neighbor while they die and whatever the seven rituals are of the church, sacraments of the church Mm -hmm. are, if that is, Mm -hmm. if sacramental life is the only purpose of priesthood, then and I don't even know that we're preparing priests all that well for that, but yeah. Right. So I, I hear, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, that's it. That's it. I hear a distinction between your definition of the priesthood and what you've seen in terms of how people get prepared for the priesthood. And the mm-hmm. distinction for me is in what you, the definition that you used in that um, there is a, whether a specific um, diocese or just the church at large is preparing priests to be, to stand in front of people and lead them in a ritual, whatever mm-hmm. ritual it might be, mm-hmm. Eucharist, baptism, or whatever the other seven sacraments might be, mm-hmm. right? Um standing in front of and what you have stated as your feeling of what priesthood should look like is this creating of safe spaces for people to do ritual together. So for me, the distinction is I come alongside you and we are in doing this in community together, a guide alongside Mm -hmm. versus I stand on top of away from to lead, um, the what is it the sage on the stage versus the guide Mm -hmm. by your side Mm -hmm. right so there's a distinction between those two things and I think you know I have not been an Episcopalian for very long I have been a Christian for a very long time my favorite pastors or priests are the people who embody the alongside journey Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and less the people who are like my name is pastor respect me I'm priest you know Mm -hmm. whatever that Mm -hmm. might be um so that's an, for me, that's the distinction that I'm hearing. And so just making sure is that kind of what you were feeling yeah. in terms of how yeah. you, okay. Yeah. And, it's, okay. and you're not supposed to say, but like the part that's really complicated is that you're not supposed to say that you want to be the sage on the stage. 
Like you're supposed to pretend like you want to be the guy on the side, but you have Mm -hmm. to have the energy of being a sage on the stage. Like it's a really weird thing where, yeah, like you're supposed to be like, I am humble and you can't be like overly, I am, I am the priest because then people think you're arrogant and an asshole. But you're kind of supposed to be. But people kind of expect that of people. Like I've seen where clergy have tried to create spaces where they are more guide on the side. And folks are mm-hmm. like, why aren't you the stage on the stage? We hired mm-hmm. you to like to preach really good sermons so that people show up to church on Sunday. And we have a good choir. And that's that's like why we have church. Right. Right. So it's interesting because and I call I recall what you said earlier about the priest who you knew in the diocese, the Long Island diocese, who said you just didn't know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and why is there a game? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about also preaching good messages to people come to church on Sunday. So we grow and deciding that church growth is measured by numbers. Right. As Instead of like building depth. up depth right. and like discipleship and right, know, like, right, like right, actually being Jesus's presence in community because maybe actually if we were just Jesus's presence in community we would grow, right, and not just because no, we have a good preacher. And that maybe what would again I think about Jesus. Sure, Jesus spoke really well and he used eloquent words and he stood up and you know took the scroll and said read the thing and then said this day this thing is fulfilled and people were drawn to his words and I think that it was Jesus's presence Mm -hmm. and how he moved and how he gathered community and how he was a safe space he himself Mm -hmm. was a safe space which then allowed others to be drawn to him so that he called crowds without standing up with a bullhorn on top of a mountain and saying come and hear me wax eloquent on these words right um Okay. An, so, epile- an epileptic person could take the message of this person and create uh, a whole religion. Right. That is a global religion. Right. Yes. Like, it's not just that Jesus, like, it's not the sage on the stage that make that draws mm-hmm. me. It's it's like the the message, the universality, the connection that people from different places around the world have to a person that says that God stands on the side of those who are on the margins. Yeah, you thought that you were not welcomed. God welcomes you. That's the right. message that people are right. attracted to. Right, which is what the whole day of Pentecost is about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just getting into Lent, so we are months away from Pentecost. Yes. But Pentecost was about this whole room full of people who didn't know each other necessarily, and suddenly all the languages were being heard to say, you are welcome here. This mm-hmm. is a place where you will find belonging. This is a place where you will find connection, where you will find community. And we, our hearts, we are wired for connection. We are wired and our hearts long for community. And so that message feels super, um, what's the word I want? Uh, it's attractive. Mm-hmm. And people want to come to that. Mm-hmm. That, they, that, that I think feeds people's souls.
Thank you all so much for being with me this week. And thank you to Makita for taking so much time to interview me. This will be a two-part episode. I am excited to continue the conversation next week with Makita. Um, The world is kind of feeling terrible. And my solutions have not necessarily been good ones, like just not listening to the news. So I don't actually know the particularities of all the terrible But something about nuclear war, something about sadness of people, something about job searching, something about, I don't know what is blowing up in your life right now, but whatever it is, please know that God is with you in the mess and the divine spirit is trying to conspire to make it better. Meanwhile, there are other people conspiring to make it worse. So on that happy note, spend most of your energy with the people who are trying to make your life better and spend less time with the people who are trying to make your life worse. Peace and blessings. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Pursuing Call. I can't wait to hear about how you are exploring God's voice so that you can participate in God's mission and dream for our world. Send your email and comments to Tamara at PursuingCall.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A at P-U-R-S-U-I-N-G-C-A-L-L dot You can also visit pursuingcall.com to learn more about what I'm exploring and envisioning and thinking about. Thank you so much and have a wonderful and beautiful day. Go in peace to love and serve.